As fathers, we are called to be providers for our family. And over the last few episodes, we've dove into how dads can make a difference in their kids' lives mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. But today we're diving into the world of finances with my guest, Lance Belline. He is a certified financial planner, and he helps families build generational wealth. Lance is also here to share how, as dads, we can set our kids up for success in the world of finance. If you are a dad who wants to break a cycle of poverty or debt and build lasting generational wealth in your family and in your grandkids' family, then this episode is for you. Lance is going to share the three categories of wealth and where as a father, you need to be putting your wealth right now so that you can retire tax-free. Also, Lance is going to teach us how we can share money with our kids and show tough love when it comes to saving, earning, and spending money. Lance will also tell dads how to model financial stability in their home and let you know exactly where you can start if you want to help your kids start managing their finances at a young age. My conversation with Lance Belline starts right now. You are listening to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, the number one podcast for men driven to live a life of significance. Men who want to make a difference in the lives of their families, in their business, and in the world around them. My name is Cam Hall, founder of Fight the Dabot and leader of the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now, let's dive in. Hello, my friend. Welcome to another episode of the Dads Making a Difference podcast. My name is Cam Hall. I'm your host and founder of the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind Group. Today, we are diving into all things finances. You're listening to this right now, and I know you want to be more financially healthy. The men in our community want to grow in their financial health. They want to be able to provide. They want to be able to accumulate wealth. They want to be able to make sure that their life is being adequately funded because it opens up possibilities for so many other ways to make an impact, so many other ways to make a difference when you have your finances in order. Well, our guest today is Lance Belline. Lance has been a certified financial planner for 20 years, where he has been helping individuals and families take control of their wealth. He has been helping people develop financial plans, make sure that their money is staying on track, and making sure that they're adequately insured. However, after 15 years, Lance decided he would break the mold. Instead of just helping people reach their financial goals, he wanted to help them truly thrive. How do you do that? By reducing or eliminating the amount of wealth that you pay to the taxman. That's right, the IRS or the CRA. He wants you to keep more of what you earn, more of your wealth. He is releasing a book. Actually, yesterday his book came out. It's called More Wealth, Less Taxes, Practical Time-Tested Strategies to Keep More of What You Earn and Build Tax-Efficient Wealth for the Future. We're going to dive into this book a lot in this episode, and there's so much gold in this. There's so much value in this conversation that you're going to get from Lance. Lance is dedicated to educating people on the strategies for reducing or flat out eliminating their biggest financial drain, taxes. 
So he's going to help you do that. We are also going to dive into a conversation about conversation, money in the household. Why has talking about money with our kids or to our kids become taboo? And what strategies do we implement right now as dads, as leaders in our home, to change the trajectory of our kids' lives by educating them on finance? This is such a great episode, guys. Get your pens ready. Get ready to take some notes. And of course, at the end of this episode, I'm going to tell you, get this book, More Wealth, Less Taxes. Lance is truly an expert in this area. Okay, without further ado, here's my conversation with Lance Belline. Lance, welcome to the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. It's good to have you, brother. I'm excited to dive into this conversation. You are the first real financial expert that we've had on the podcast. So thanks for being here. Cam, I am super excited to be on your show. I've been looking forward to it all week. And so if you're watching on YouTube right now, you see Lance is sitting here and and behind him in his background, you see a book. It's called More Wealth, Less Taxes, Time-Tested Strategies to Keep More of What You Earn and Build Tax-Efficient Wealth for the Future. And I got to tell you, having Lance on here, I was just talking to him before we hit record. Some men will write books to write books. (laughs) Lance, you wrote a book because you are an expert in this, man. I read through this book and, you know, even being in Canada, which some of our listeners in Canada, some of the tax codes are different, but reading through this, there was so much knowledge packed into your book that I'm writing notes. I'm I'm sharing it with my wife. I'm like, Mm -hmm. we haven't thought about this. So I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dive into what you know today. So uh, Lance, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, how you got to where you are, kind of when you grew up? Because you have an interesting story of you've always had this really unique relationship with money. Yeah, um, I grew up in a small town in, in the Midwest and uh, was very fortunate to have great parents. And one thing they instilled in us was that we were going to work. We were going to have a job. Uh, but for some reason, I have an older sister and a younger brother. Uh, for some reason, I was the only one that kind of always worked and then saved it and then thought what it was going to be used for. Right. Mm. And so, like, I bought half of my first car, for example, and things of that nature. And my sister uh, really didn't have that trait and still doesn't. And my younger brother, same way. And so I was, why is why did that just come natural to me? And what I've discovered throughout my career is that I just, you know, God's blessed me with that. And it doesn't come naturally to every person to say, hey, what is this money going to be for down the road? And what do I need to do with it? And so, you know, I kind of found my purpose later in my career to says, hey, I exist to, to try to help people give them financial peace of mind and help them give them clarity regarding how they're going to accomplish their financial goals. Since uh, the majority of individuals I've found, that's just not natural thinking. Uh, mm-hmm. And so grew up uh, in town, went to school at the University of Arkansas, and then got into this industry, not because of I knew what I wanted to do. Uh, it's because I would say divine intervention interceded. Uh, again, not knowing that. I, I just know that I didn't have great grades. And I worked at a lumber yard going to college, and that didn't really prep me for uh, corporate America, I would say, right? right? So I remember going through the career fairs, and they're like, hey, that's a GPA is pretty below average in this uh, internship at Meeks Lumber Yard, okay? And so I found that the only people that would actually, quote, interview me would be sales positions, right? And so this one guy said I could be a financial advisor, and I did not know what that entailed. 
But I said, that sounds great. Let's do it. And, you know, you know, just fortunately, I was able to survive, fast forward, you know, became a certified financial planner, and then be- started my own firm. And then it is what it is today, which is more than what I ever expected. Yeah. And so you, you breezed over a lot there, because when we've spoken before, you know, there's a lot in your background that has helped shape you and your relationship with money. But I'm curious, you know, you had this instilled in you that not only were you saving money, you saw a purpose for money, that you were looking into the future of what it could do. What did you see differently in those who surrounded you? You you mentioned your your sister, you mentioned those in your family, but in your friends, because a lot of us, as we grow up, we're going through our teenage years, it's about buying that shiny thing. And then that stays with us as we grow older. What were some of the differences that you saw between how you view money and how others were viewing money? I think I viewed it more longer term versus short term. Instead of saying, hey, what am I going to get to buy this weekend or where I'm going to go out or what clothes am I going to buy or something, right, that would be immediate gratification. I've always been able to think of it uh, for a longer term, bigger purpose for some reason. I'd say that was the biggest disconnect that I find uh, between my sister and my brother and other individuals. Yeah, excellent. And, you know, that ties right into your book. You know, you talk about everything you need to know to build wealth tax efficiently. And so you will get into that, but it's interesting to see how your growing up and your experience has led to this. Now you started a financial firm called Lighthouse Financial. Tell, tell us about how that started out and why you felt called to do that, start building a team. Wow. I'd never envisioned myself being a small business owner per se. Let's just put that out there. But I, I, I it started with asking a, an individual uh, if she would entrust me to pay her $35,000 a year to be my you know, right-hand person, mm-hmm. uh, not knowing how I was going to pay it. Uh, and that's how it got started, really. And then it's just evolved. And later, I formed Lighthouse Financial because I wanted to build a firm that wasn't about Lance Boleyn, right? I didn't want it to be, let's say, Boleyn Financial or something of that nature. So I wanted it to be a third-party representation. And mm-hmm. and the Lighthouse came about, actually, uh, when I knew it was right, is when my father-in-law at the time is from Sweden. Uh, he came up with the slogan because uh, obviously in Sweden, Norway, right, there's a lot of lighthouses. So his slogan he came up with was always on watch and what a lighthouse like does. That. And so I'm like, that's it. And yeah. so once that kind of came together, because I feel like that's our job is to always be on watch over people's finances. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just kind of, you know, delved together. And then it later where I brought on my first advisor and he entrusted me to mentor and direct him. And then it's just now I'd say evolved to a smaller firm, but, you know, we for, you know nine full-time staff and employees and about nine advisors. So it's more than I ever thought of it is going to be. It's incredible. Incredible. And then you had... You had Lighthouse Financial and you still have that going. And then you, I read in the book that there was a shift. You started to, to shift how you viewed you know, financial planning and helping people with their finances to actually building wealth and keeping more of what they've earned. And like I said, I, I've read the book. I, I was able to download it off Amazon. If you're going to go get it, hey, it's launching this week. We'll talk about that later in the show. But I was able to get my the Kindle edition and I'm reading through it. And the details that you use and how to keep wealth, you're very clear about not doing this like 
in the, in the shady type of way, but being right. a very intentional about it. And it starts early, you know, it's so good. It's so good. I, I read every word and I'm not going to lie. There's some, I had to reread and I'm like, just wrap my head around the planning of it. But if there was one major takeaway that you had writing this book, what would it be as the author? I want the the listener readers and listeners of your show to, to think about how, because what I did early in my career, which was not a mistake, but just normal is, is helping people develop a plan to grow wealth to meet their financial goals, but without thinking about, but what I wasn't thinking about then when, uh, which I should have, is how that money is going to be taxed, mm. right? And so I think it's about how we grow wealth and how our assets are located as far as how they're taxed. And there's three different you know categories of that. But thinking with the end in mind, like, hey, when I do want this money for whatever goal it was, how is it, how am I going to get it with the least amount of taxes? And that was the big takeaway, the aha, when I guess I was 37, when I first had this aha experience. And Cam, I don't know if you've ever had this, you know, you really get what you do and you're confident and then you're around your peers. Uh, And I formed a mastermind group when I was 37 because I wanted to sharpen the saw and, you know, get outside the box thinking. And this man, uh, Rich Stewart from Seattle, I remember he said a comment and I was blown away. He goes, I'm going to show you how to get money out of an IRA and not pay taxes on it. And I was like, that can't be done. And so it was one of those aha experiences. And so from that point forward, I've kind of had to mind shift things about thinking about the end in mind versus the beginning about how the money is going to get taxed versus just how much do I need. That's incredible. And in the book, you ask a question right at the beginning of the book where you say, how how would you like to make $120,000 a year in retirement and only pay, and you said 1.18% in taxes. And it sounds too good to be true, but it really isn't. And you outline a strategy you call the bucket strategy in the book about how you can start allocating your wealth so that you can do this. So this can become a reality for you. Would you, I don't want you to share all the details because I want people to read this book. If you're listening to this, you have to get this book. But can you give us an overview, that 30,000 foot view of the bucket strategy and how this works for for men and for families? Yeah, I'll try to do my best uh, with that. So there's just say three categories of of, of wealth. You I call bucket one in, in the book. It's bucket one. It's, it's pre-tax money. So when I put money in it, I get immediate tax deduction. Uh, if I set a 401k or an IRA, people will probably relate to that. Uh, and then uh, that money, when you make withdrawals in the future, is taxed as income, just like a W-2 would be as your work or a self-employment income. So you get that federal tax code to, you know, in there. And then bucket two is your after-tax money, which is gets taxed at capital gain rates. Uh, and there's usually lower tax rates for that. And then the third bucket is tax-free. Uh, make withdrawals, it's not taxable or reportable to the government. And so the terms that people might relate to that would be a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k, uh, health savings accounts. Uh, things of that nature. So the premise is let's put money in each of these buckets. Uh, and if we do that, then we can, I would say, influence how the government taxes us in the future. And in the US, at least, there is a 0% tax rate that exists 
for capital gains and dividends. And many individuals are not aware of that. And so what we want to do is unlock that 0% tax rate, because obviously that's the best rate you can get, right? For tax. <laughs> that, is the, that is the best rate <laughs> you can get. Yes, absolutely. If you, if you would go to anyone and say, how would you like to get a 0% tax rate? I think they would jump at that opportunity. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. not a lot of people are doing it. And not a lot of people are doing it because they don't understand how to get there. And you outline that in this book. It's great. It really is. Uh, you talk about how most people end up. I'm looking at it right in front of me here. And I want to share with some of our listeners like, how most people end up only in bucket one. And then you outline the steps to take to get to bucket two. And then now you get to bucket three. And you use an analogy in the book of swimming of looking at three lanes of swimming and where most of the swimmers are located and how you can see them. And I thought it was brilliant. It actually painted a picture for me of where am I? What lane am I swimming in right now? Or where are my finances going? So I really appreciated the detail that you used in in describing that. Because let's be honest, like finances can be intimidating for people. Talking about money can be intimidating. I read and there's some stuff I read over because I'm like, I'm not quite sure. There's, There's some you know, country and tax code boundaries, like I'm in Canada, you're in the United States. But the premise and the the themes and the practices are all there laid out. Um, how, did, how did you get to, I, I don't want to circle back, but how did you get to the point where you're like, I have to write this book. People need, people need to know this. Hey guys, I wanted to take a moment and talk about our community of DMD brothers in the DMD mastermind. We are men who help each other to stay focused and intentional in our pursuits of personal, professional, physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual growth. We are a community of men who bring courage, wisdom, and transparency to unfiltered conversations that challenge us to be more impactful men, to be dads making a difference. We do this through our online and in-person events where men come together to speak into each other's lives and then turn around and do the deep work to create change in their families, in their businesses, and in the community around them. If you are wondering if this community might be right for you, you can find more information on the DMD Mastermind, and you can also book a call directly with me at dmdmastermind.com. Now, let's get back to our show. Yeah, it really came about because um, I took a, a four-month kind of a sabbatical uh, last year. And th- there was many reasons I did things that came about that is I had some time. And when I had that time, I'm like, how am I going to best utilize it, right? And yeah. I wanted to, I say the stars aligned, you know, through mutual connections because I felt like I have the ideas and concepts I really want to get down on paper. I just need help. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that, because I wanted to try to take all the great ideas I've gotten from others over the years and get it into to, uh, a book to help people go maybe from good to great with their finances. And so it's, I would say it really came down because I took time away from my normal job. And that allowed me to do that because we all write the rat race of life, right? right? You're and trapped. if you're working, you're just two, 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 and you don't have the time. You have ideas, but so getting away and very fortunate to be able to do that. But that's what allowed me to get the book written as I took time uh, off my normal day-to-day job. Well, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you I did. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, you know, there's lots of guys listening to this who, you know, 
aren't quite thinking about retirement, although they should be. But there is one section, you know, as a dad, as a husband, you know, I got two young kids and growing up how I grew up in a family that never spoke about money ever. I'm, man, I'm 41 years old and I'm just, there's still things that I'm learning for the first time that I know people had a head start on. They were learning in their teens. And so there was one section in, in the book in particular that really stood out to me. And I hope we can spend some time talking about that today. You talk about the, like the barriers, the roadblocks that will stand in the way of you building wealth. And you talk about why the discussion of money in the home has been taboo. How in mm-hmm. some homes, like we don't talk about money in front of the kids. We don't talk about money with the kids. And I was like, that man, like that speaks to me. I know that we'll speak to a lot of the guys who are listening to this right now who never had their parents have that conversation with them. Why did, you know, it's so important. Tell me about that. Why is money taboo in the home right now? Yeah, I I grew up the same way, very similar. And so I, fortunately in my career, I get exposed, right? To a lot of family dynamics, uh, positives and negatives, but the positives have best really been when I've gotten to see the family unit and how the the open dialogue about finances with their children uh, as t- younger and then teenagers, then young adults, and the families that have done that well, communicating uh, the, I would say, again, not making it taboo, I've seen the children make become much better stewards of their finances. Uh, and it may not make some of the financial mistakes, right, that their parents did, uh, that, you know, I have. And so I'm like, how can we, we need to change that dynamic, right? We need to let our kids know that, hey, money is important and it, it's, it, it's needed, but it's not our first priority in life, right? It's just something that we need. We need to excel in all areas of our life and finances being one of them. But what about our faith? What about our family? What about our friends? Uh, And let's make sure that we try to coach them to excel in that. And so with, you know, then I think what will happen is we can change the kind of a a generation. And so then they do that and then they do that. And then it, it, it makes it where would be that, you know, when you're young and growing a family, it, money is sometimes hard to come by, right? And so yeah. you, it, you're in a peak spending mode. And then when you're in your 60s and 70s or 80s, you're like, I got this money and I don't know what to do with it, right? right. So what what if we change the, dia- uh, the dynamics where like, hey, maybe a family generation would pay it forward and say, hey, when my grandkids are born, their education will be fully funded. And that way it doesn't hurt the burden, right? On the young, my you know young couple uh, to do that, but they know that that's what they're gonna do, right? Right. Uh, and then instead of taking, you know, spending, let's say, $100,000 of my own money to put my kids through education, I can take $30,000, you know, lump sum that I, you know, from my grandparents that I didn't have. And now college is fully funded. Uh, right. And so because it's kind of the secret of compounding well. So uh, I, there is another neat, neat uh, family that did a family investment club. I thought this was brilliant. They would put money into, you know, everybody, kids, family, friends, uh, they would put money into a pot and then they would meet quarterly to say, hey, who do we want? Where's our investments? How have they done? But also, who do we want to be generous to, whether that's charity or 
full of need. And I thought that was brilliant. So that they created a family dynamic that not only talked about growing wealth and how it's invested and then learning from when there's losses, but also how can we use this and give it to others? Yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, I you know in recollection of that story, how they came together as a family to decide together yeah. where they were going to put that money and where they were going to give and where they were going to serve, which is incredible. That's another great thing about, about what you wrote is you include all these stories and little case studies of people who've actually put into practice what you're teaching, people that you've worked with, people that you have relationships with, who've worked with you in your financial planning business or um, otherwise. But one common theme is is kind of through all these stories that I'm seeing is the openness in actually attaining knowledge about wealth, about what it means just to manage your money. I, you know, one thing I heard from my first landlord when I was renting an apartment when I got to university, and I was like trying to, you know, save money and pay for university, and I was working two jobs and playing sports and balancing that. I remember there was like one month, I think in my first year of university where the check for rent didn't go through. And it was because I hadn't moved money around from the like savings account to the checking and that stuff. Uh, 20, 20 years old, my landlord came to me. She's like, well, Cam, you know, you're going to learn one thing. You can manage your money and your money can manage you. And that has stuck with oh, me wow. like my entire life. And I was like, her name is Eugenia. I said, tell me more about this, you know? And so she started to, to share a little bit with me. Uh, I love that, Cam. I'm going to borrow that if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and I I thanked her for that. I I ran into her in the community a few years back and, you know, I'm 20 years older now than I was then. I said, you know, Eugene, one thing I still remember is what you told me (laughs) standing on the main floor when you said, Cam, this check didn't go through and you said that to me. And I was embarrassed, of course. I said, no, 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 here it is. And so I just, the next day paid it. But yeah, it's a little, it is a golden nugget that she shared that day. And it's stuck with me that since. I remember um, when I bounced my first check uh, and then I, and uh, I found out about the $15 charge that the bank was going to charge me. So not yeah. only do I not have money to have the check clear, now I have to come up with 15 more dollars, right? For the bounce yeah. check. And I was like, wow, that hurts. Yeah. You, you talk about um, a gentleman named John in his, and his family in your book, um, John worked for Walmart for 20 years and in, in corporate. And so, but you talk about the story, tell a little bit about their story. If, if you, if you can, because there's some really important lessons that, you know, John's kids came out of that experience with. Yeah. Uh, John was a, still a great guy. He, one of the things he, I always took from him is he had uh, his son-in-law before he became a son-in-law, uh, you know, read a book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? And right. Yeah. just a t- he was constantly trying to teach not only his children, but their significant others to to how to be good stewards of their money. Uh, you know, they never, when they would, one, have projects or uh, as they were younger or jobs, uh, sweeping the floor, cleaning the, di- p- uh, the dishwasher, things of that nature. And they wouldn't give them money in cash. They would deposit in a checking account. So that was one thing I thought that they did a great job of is it went into a checking account so that now the kids were learning. They would get something in the mail, open up their statement and see this money there. They were then taught how to get money out of the checking account, right? What that looked like. And and uh, then they uh, were great with helping them get credit cards at an early age, which, you know, that's something that I 
I really encourage listeners to do so that they could start building credit early. And one of the things I think that the story about that, one of the sons says, you know, I know for a fact that when we were buying our house and things of that nature, I didn't have all the questions that some of my peers did. Mm. I knew how to go to a bank and what a loan uh, was because my father would loan us money and make us pay him back with interest. And so I was, I kind of knew how this worked and I actually had some credit so I could get a loan. And so it wasn't as daunting. I didn't feel as intimidated uh, with these financial decisions as I was in my early adulting uh, days. And then he definitely was one, Hey, I want to pay this forward. I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever dad did with me was great. I'm going to try to even turn it and make it twofold for my children. Right. Which I thought was great. Um, They took the wisdom that their father and mother were giving them and then used it to be better stewards with their finances. That's excellent. And, you know, nowadays, you know, I have a 10 year old and an eight year old. They're not going to get a bank statement in the mail. Right. And so (laughs) it looks a little bit different nowadays, but even given that the landscape has changed and technology has changed, how do we, begin to break the mold of kind of holding the purse strings, let's say, of our kids' finances. You know, I know friends whose parents, they controlled their banking until they were like 18 years old oh, and wow. or off to university. And, you know, yes, there's an account with money in it and we'll pay your bills and it's your account, but they never really saw it. They just knew it was there. How do we begin to break the mold with our kids and our families so we can break the cycle that maybe you and I went through not talking about money in the home? So a couple ideas, one, some that I kind of thought of and others I borrowed and mostly I borrowed because, uh, you know, being in the role I'm in, I get to experience other people's uh, successes. But, you know, if you take your child on vacation, we used to go to a family camp when my children are younger. And what I found is that they had, it was called the the bean. And the bean was this little coffee house that also had ice cream and cake and candy, all this. Oh, yes. So w- we went one year and they were constantly wanting to go to the bean, right? And yeah. they were just, and I get done at the week and my bills, you know, $300, not that that's the end of the world, but I was like, we can't make this mistake again. So the next year we said, here is money. You choose how you're going to spend it. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing how many times they went without the ice cream, right? In the day, because yeah. they're like, because oh. they were spending it, right? It was their money. So they yes. took ownership of that. Yeah. So I would encourage, that's an idea that I came up with on vacations, just anything, family outings. Hey, here's the money that you can spend on this vacation. You get to choose how you're going to spend it. And then watch them start thinking and processing. Do I really, let's say we went to, I know Disney World. I remember what, and they did, do I really want that teddy bear, right? Is that, and you say, or do I want that sweatshirt? You know, you start to see them thinking. And then we taught them uh, the uh, patience. So, hey, why don't you think about it? You don't have to buy this right now. We're going to be here for another three days. And they're like, you're right. Okay, I will. And so we got to teach them that, you know, we're instinctively want something. But then if we wait a little bit, sometimes it's not as important, right? Like, you know what? I really don't care about that much anymore. Uh, so that was, you know, one idea that uh, that I felt was really good. And the other is a little older is if you if you are going to try to help your children, let's say with college, uh, you know, and you've saved money. What I did is I've transferred money into my children's account and they're in charge of paying their bills. They're in charge of paying their tuition. Uh, And if they spend it unwisely, then they will, right? 
have to get loans and pay the consequences. And so then it removed me from having, hey, dad, I got this tuition bill and would yeah. you pay it? No, that's your responsibility now. Right. Um, and then another great idea, again, a little older is, you know, when you're, uh, if you have a daughter and you're going to pay for a wedding, right? Instead of just letting them come to you with this invoice, this is this, this invoice, you give them money that you budgeted and go, all right, you just, you put the wedding on you, you get to decide the venue and how much you spend. You decide on how much the dress is. Here's a set amount of money and let them decide. And I thought that those were some good ideas I've gotten uh, a couple from other clients. And I'm like, yes, I'm taking that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to make some notes as I have a 10 year old daughter, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and you start planning ahead. Um, What are, what are some big things that dad's listening to this right now need to know uh, or a couple quick tips about just entering into conversations about finance in the home? Let's say with not super young children, but children in that kind of where I'm at right now, that eight to 15 range, how do you begin entering into that conversation? Because, you know, for a family that doesn't talk about money to get the kitchen table and just all of a sudden one day start talking about money, they would be like, what's going on here, right? How do, you, yeah. how do you frame it? How do you set the tone? So, you know, at that age, eight to 15, they're definitely now grasping things. So I think it's good to say, hey, with money, right? Especially if I'm giving you money, I think we need to say, hey, what is this money going to be used for? Hmm, And I think they should learn tithing at an early age. They should learn uh, saving for things down the road at an early age. And so you, there's there's a piggy bank and I can't, if they Google, they'll probably find it, but it's divided up in these uh, four different categories. And then you kind of divide up your money. Hey, uh, that when they receive it, that it goes in these four categories. And so they understand that it's just not all for them. Mm. Uh, that'd be the, uh, kind of the first. And then I think it's important that if they give, if they're given a responsibility at the home, that they receive a payment, right? For that. And then they also don't receive a payment if it doesn't done well, yeah. right? We too often are just, all right, you know, I remember my son mowed the yard for the second time. It was awful. Cam, I'm <laughs> telling you, I thought he was on drugs or something. He's like, I'm like, he gets done. I go, are you telling me that's good? Well, you're right. I go. And so I didn't pay him. Right. Yeah. And he's like, well, and I'm like, no, you didn't do a good job. And so I think sometimes we need to show tough love with money. Yeah. Right. And not assume that they're just going to get it. They have to they're going to be held to a standard, just like when they're adult hold, they're going to be held to a standard. Yeah, I love it. Um, Let's shift the dad for a second. You know, we're going to set this tone for their kids, but we also kids are watching. And so how do we model, you know, financial stability in our home? Or if you're listening to this right now and you're like, "I, I think about retirement, you know, I've got my company does a pension or my I'm in the public sector, there's a pension there. But that's it. Like, so where can someone start no matter where their age is? Because in your book, you talk about the bucket strategy. You say it's never really too late until it's too late, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So until you're there. So no matter where you are right now, if you haven't started allocating wealth funds, have you would have you in one of these buckets, where's the first place that you can start? Generally, I think that if individuals are finding it hard to save, right, uh, mm-hmm. to accumulate, I would say they just need to do some simple. This is I have a couple of stories in the book about the ten thousand dollar Coke, yes, or yes. bring back the box lunch, and it's really about how we just are spending our money. And 
if, for example, we generally say, maybe it's not listeners won't be a Coke, but it might be Starbucks or something of that nature, right? They go to Starbucks or the convenience store every day mm-hmm. and they may spend a couple bucks. And then if you just think about it, that's $10 a week, that's $40 a month. And then over time, illustrated in the book, that's be worth $10,000, right? Of savings over a period of time. And so I think it's about just like, I don't want to have people feel like they can't live life. Right. But I also think that if we gave up a Coke or a coffee a day, that's not going to negatively impact our life either. Right. We fought, we fall into conveniences. Uh, or what about not eating out at lunch every day? That's worth $10 at least. Uh, yeah. Right. And so that's $50 a week. That's $200 a month that, that could be saved and accumulated. So if individuals are having a hard time, they're saying, hey, I don't have the excess income to invest or save. I'd say, let's just look at your spending and how can we f- identify some things that really won't negatively impact your life if you gave them up? And generally speaking, I always find there are. Yeah. How much of this comes down to discipline? Yeah. Like personal discipline and commitment to doing something. You were sharing the lunchbox, taking your lunchbox to work instead of buying lunch. And you share a story of a mom in the book who wants to send her kids to school and college and decides to bring a lunchbox instead of buying lunch every day. Well, that takes that takes foresight, that takes discipline, yeah. but it really takes what you've come back to over and over in this conversation. It takes understanding the purpose for money yeah. and where you want it to go. That's, I appreciate you, man. You're just sharing so much, so many good nuggets in here. <laughs> um, the book, More Wealth, Less Taxes, it comes out soon. When is the launch date? Uh, the 15th the of November. The 15th of November. So if you are listening to this, on the day it drops, we're dropping this episode on November 16th. Sweet. And so go... I don't care if you pause this episode right now. Maybe not. Listen through it all the way, <laughs> but go right now on your device, on your computer, go grab this book, uh, get it in your hands, read it, read it as a family, read it with your spouse. Uh, it's going to push you forward. Uh, Lance, I got a couple interesting questions for you that I always like to ask dads, uh, especially because you have a unique story. You're letting me know that you have some grown children and you may be entering into... Uh, yeah fatherhood again with a young child. So what are <laughs> yeah. some areas in your life right now that you're most excited about or areas of growth that you're diving into? So uh, my 15-year-old son, he's my youngest uh, son, uh, is uh, he and I are kind of doing a study it's, uh, through Timothy. I'm really excited about that because he asked me if you know he is something I would help him with. And I'm like, <laughs> Uh, you know, like challenge, right? I don't want to, you know, so it's been fun to kind of go through that and just the, the beginnings of that and trying to teach him how to, hey, when we meet every Sunday after church, that it's actually you have to prep prior, right? It's during the week, right? 15 yeah. na- minutes a day. So just little things like that, but see him kind of processing what life's about. And uh, that's, been, that's, that's a neat thing for sure uh, that I'm, you know, personally have, been experienced. And then professionally, of course, it would be just uh, when the launch of the book comes out and just seeing how, if, you know, hopefully it will have a positive impact on some people's lives. Yeah. Incredible. Um, Lance, if somebody wants to connect with you, if they want to find you, where can they do that? 
Yeah, the, the book's website is just my name, uh, LanceBelline.net. So it's B-E-L-L-I-N-E.net. And then my company website is LHFinancial.net. Amazing. Awesome. Lance, appreciate you, brother. Thank you for being here. And thank you for sharing, like I said, your expertise with us on the podcast today. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. I hope you found value in today's show. And if it made a positive impact on you, please share it with someone you know, leave a five-star review, and subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. I'm Cam Hall. Thank you for spending time with me today, and I will see you on the next episode of the DMD podcast.